Please, we continue our study in the book of John, and um, I do hope that you, uh, if you did not, were not able to attend on Sunday evening, uh, that you get you a DVD or a CD of that, and I think I proved unequivocally that is it impossible that Jesus was crucified on Friday, absolutely impossible but if you look at all of your calendars you will notice the friday before easter always without any reservation usually has good friday and it wasn't a good friday it was a bad wednesday when jesus was crucified and we took the bible last wednesday last sunday evening and and showed you out of the bible that it had to be wednesday and not on Friday. And uh, you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, just because I took a gun and put to your head and said, I'm going to shoot you just because you don't believe it don't mean it's not going to become a reality. John 19, after and after this. John 19, verse 38, and after this, after the crucifixion, after six long hours from nine o'clock in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon, Six long hours hanging on a cross, doing business for us, dying in our place. After six long hours and three of those in which God the Father turned his back on God the Son because for three hours there was darkness upon the face of the earth. And as mine and your sins were piled upon our Lord there on Calvary. God, being holy, cannot look upon sin. God turned his back on his son. That necessitated our Savior saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Forsaken because of your sin. Forsaken because of my sin. After this, the Bible says in verse 38, after this, Joseph of Arimathea being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, secret disciples, secretly saved. Undercover Christians. Christians still in the closet. I don't know about you, but that, 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 that phrase impressed me. Being a disciple of Jesus, but nobody knew about it. Secretly, 
for fear of the Jews. Besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave and came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and besought and bought a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. I... uh, Notice that first phrase in verse 38, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were secret disciples of the Lord. And then the question might be posed, why would anybody be a secret disciple? And verse 38 describes, says, for the fear of the Jews. Fear. We all are acquainted with fear, I'm sure. One summer night during a severe thunderstorm, a mother was tucking in their little daughter. And the daughter said, Mama, would you please stay in here tonight because I'm scared. She said, no, darling, I've got to go to the other bedroom and sleep with your father. After a little while, the mother heard her say, the big sissy. (laughs) Now, we must be careful not to uh, quickly judge... uh, Joseph and Nicodemus, because fear is a real thing that we are confronted with every day. I fear going through Joshua at 60 miles an hour. Brian Archer does not fear driving through Godly that way because he got to invite one of the Joshua's best to church today. Fear. Fear keeps many Christians in the closet. Fear of ridicule, fear of being rejected, fear of the unknown, fear of questions that you cannot answer. Secret disciples of our Lord. John spake of the penalty of those. If you notice John chapter 9 verse 22, if you got time one of these days, the Bible says, and the words... Spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if any man did confess that Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. The Jews was a very tenaciously, religiously mean kind of folk. 
Put yourself in the place of taking a handful of tracks and going to uh, Iraq. And standing on the street's corner handing out tracks, or maybe Iran, or, or, or maybe uh, anywhere in the Middle East. Those folks do not mind at all taking your head off. You can call it barbaric. You can call it anything you want. But fear. I'll tell you, if I'm going to pass out tracts, I'd rather do it down Fort Worth as in Iraq. Uh, you, you say why? Fear. But now these folks were real. Nicodemus and Joseph had believed and embraced Jesus Christ by faith. Take your Bible, if you would, please just turn back to John chapter number 12 for just a minute. And please let me show you what I'm talking about. These guys, John 12 and verse number 42. These guys were secret disciples, and yet they feared the Jew. Now, verse 42 of John 12, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. I dare say there's some folks in our midst today who are saved, who would rather have the praise of man than the praise of God. Now, let me just bring you up to date on these two men, if it would be all right. Joseph of Arimathea in your Bible, John chapter 19, we introduced to a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Now, in your Bible, in the book of Luke 23, in the book of Mark chapter 15, in the book of, uh, of, uh, of Luke chapter 23, the same incident is mentioned. If you notice in Matthew 27, the Bible says that Joseph Arimathea is a rich man. A rich man, a man of means. Also in Luke 23, it says that he is a council member. That means he is a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, the judicial council, the governmenting council of the Jews' religion. So he's not only a rich man, he is a very influential man. He is a council member. Not only, it says he is a good man, and the good man means he's opposite of the men who have deemed Jesus Christ to be crucified. Good is the opposite of bad, so he is not like the rest of the council. He's not like the ones who said crucify him. He's not like those. He is a good man. He is a rich man. He is a just man. Just man means he's righteous. He's a man of means, a man of influence, and a man not only of influence. In Luke 23, the Bible said he went and begged the body of Jesus. Now, how could you be a secret disciple and go open with begging for the body of Jesus? The Bible said in Mark that he boldly went to Pilate and demanded that he give him the body. But yet, 
secretly. A secret disciple. You know, I'd like to preach on to you today. It was no secret when I got saved. Are you an undercover agent for Jesus? Do you dress like the world and smell like the world and go where the world goes and you're a Sunday morning Christian? Is the best kept secret in your town is you got saved one day? God forbid that I work next to a person for years and them not know I'm a Christian. And God forbid that I should work again beside somebody and I act so ridiculously religion that they don't want to have anything to do with my Christianity. I just notice Nicodemus, if you would please. Uh, two men, two men served on the Sanhedrin. One of the seventy that was the the governmental and the judicial council of all of uh, the Jew, and it was these men who made the decision that Jesus had to die. These men made the decision. Now, if you look in Luke chapter number 23, there is a phrase that says that Joseph of Arimathea did not consent to what the others had done. He was against, in other words, he was the minority when they voted. And so, as you look at that, you look at these two men. Rich, powerful, influential Man of perseverance, he, he begged, he went boldly and went for the, uh, the body of our Lord and Nicodemus. You remember John 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And he came to Jesus by what? Here are two men high in ranks of Jewish politics. Most influential men in all of Judaism. They have believed and have embraced Jesus Christ. But they got it on the hush-hush. They probably are saying, well, I don't think your religion and government ought to mix. That's always handy. You know what I mean? Good cop-out. I think if you've got religion, it ought to mix with anything. I think if you've got Christianity, it'll mix anywhere with anybody. And I just believe, bless your heart, we need to embrace that, if you would please. Now notice Nicodemus. These two guys were secret, secret, secret disciples. But now if I read my Bible correctly, I want to read it for you. And that way, if you don't get anything out of my preaching, you'll at least get something out of the Bible. Luke chapter... 23, verse 50, I want to read just three or four verses, and then I want to talk to you about how that Calvary changed these two men from secret disciples. From secret disciples. I was sitting yesterday thinking, and I was thinking on that text. I wish I brought my cell phone because it's on my cell phone. The day... That silence stopped. The day that silence stopped. That was the day when Jesus Christ was crucified. 
And the Bible says when Jesus bowed his head and gave up the ghost, that the earth shook. A mighty earthquake rocked the earth. And standing by the, by the cross with a centurion with a spear in his hand, and the Bible said that the centurion spoke and said, Surely this was the Son of God. The centurion spoke up. Creation shook up. <laughs> and cowards spoke up. And the curtain from the temple split from top to bottom and it opened up. Well, what a wonderful day. And the Bible said there was graves in the city opened and folks resurrected from the dead and walked throughout the city. And that's the day that the cemeteries livened up. Well, I don't want you to get excited about anything now. But Calvary should make a change. It changed two secret disciples to openly professors of Jesus Christ. And one of them went to the governor openly and boldly and brashly demanded that the body of Jesus be given to him. They wrapped it in a hundred pounds, if you please, of lining cloth and perfumes and stuff, took it to his own grave and put him in there. They were no longer ashamed about the day they got saved. You say, preacher, look at verse number 50. And behold, there was a man named Joseph, a counselor or a member of the council. And he was a good man and a just. And the same was not consenting to the council and the deed of them. He was was of Amorthea, the city of the Jews, who also himself waited for the kingdom of God. Looking for Jesus, that's what he was doing. This man went unto Pilate, begged the body of Jesus, and he took it down. I don't believe you could do that secretly, do you? And he took it down, no longer afraid of the Jews, no longer scared of the repercussions. He took it down. Why? Because Calvary's changed the man. He's seen love in action as no other love action, no movie in the world could ever portray this. And the Bible says now the secret fearful disciple is brazen as a bold bulldog going to the cross and taking him down. The Bible says, and uh, he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in the sepulcher that was hewn in stone. By the way, you know whose sepulcher it was? It was his. You say, well, why did he put it in his? Because he knew that Jesus wouldn't be there long. He just needed it for three days. Amen. You say, you're crazy? No. And he laid him in the sepulcher. Now, if you're from Tennessee, you produce that sepulcher. <laughs> Corny. Wherein never a man was laid. 
And that day was the preparation. And the Sabbath drew on. Somebody said, "Aha! Uh-huh, see there Friday, Friday, Friday. Because Sabbath's on Saturday. Uh-huh, you wasn't here last Sunday night. You was watching Hooligan Heroes. Or maybe The X Factor. Or some other religious movie. And you still look at your calendar and don't know why Jesus wasn't crucified on Friday. And the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after and beheld the sepulcher as body was lain. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. What a wonderful, wonderful story. How that a Calvary has changed two men from secret disciples to openly confessors of Jesus Christ. And I really believe today, in hurriedly along, I believe that Calvary will make a difference in anybody's life. I believe when you see the true picture of Calvary and the real meaning of Calvary, that Jesus Christ loved you so very much here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a sacrifice or propitiation for our sins. And when you see that and embrace that and trust that, it will not be a secret in your life any longer. I've just jotted down some reasons and I'm not going to tarry long, but I have some reasons why I'd like to share with you that it was no secret when I got saved. And it has not been a secret for 45 years. I was writing down on my calendar. I got a guy in North Carolina who's always listening to me preach. He's always correcting me. Don't you enjoy that? I've been saying I've been saved 46 years. Jerry writes, calls, emails. You've only been saved 45 years. Get off my phone, Jerry. I don't care. But 45 years ago, I got saved. I was so bashful, honest, this is God's truth. I was so bashful, I'd have to slip up on a mirror to comb my hair. I was a thumb-sucking introvert. Bashful, backwards, and I got saved. If anybody in the world was too timid to talk about Jesus, it was me. I failed college because I would not give an oral report between, before 20-some students. All I liked get my degree in college was just an oral report. I left them with a good degree and walked. I'm not going to do that. But then I got saved. You said, man, I wish you never got saved. Then I got saved. I got saved in October, surrendered preach in March, started the seminary in September, took my first church two years later, graduated from seminary and college three years later, and been preaching ever since. And if there's one thing I don't want it to be, is a secret that I've been saved. 
I don't need a bumper sticker on the back of my car saying, if you love Jesus, honk. I like the one, if you love Jesus, tithe. Anybody can honk. Hmm? I've seen some of them folks, if you love Jesus, honk at the stop sign. Start honking at them and you'll see how much they love Jesus. Huh? Hey, I, I, I don't need anything to advertise that I've been saved. Man, they took knowledge. They might have been ignorant, unlearned, but they took knowledge. They had been with Jesus. And if we got to advertise, ladies and gentlemen, that we've been saved, if we need something out on our sign to say that our life is different and our attitude is different and our love is different, if we need advertisement, we need to go back to Calvary because Calvary will change you completely. Let me give you some reasons, first of all, why it was no secret when I got saved. Number one, because heaven responded to it. Heaven responded to it. Over in the book of Luke chapter 15, the story is told about a a son who takes his father's money and goes off into the far country. You remember that? The prodigal son, he goes off into the far country and wastes his money on riotous living. And the Bible says he found himself in the hog pen of the world that he began to uh, think about how good it was back at his father's house. And so he said, I think I'll just go back to my father's house. Even my father's servants got a better deal than I do. And so back to the father's house he went. You remember that? I said, you remember that? And you remember when he got back, some of the kinfolk hanging around the house was jealous because he came back. And daddy killed the fatted calf and had a party. You remember that? I said, do you remember that? I said, do you remember that? And you know the Bible says about how be it. I, I just, I, I just can't understand it. And, uh, and the Bible says that they were partying and having a great time. And in Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. Forty-five years ago, there was a party in heaven the night on Thursday night when I bowed my head and got saved. And when I got saved, heaven responded to it. It was more than just me saying a prayer. It was more than just me crying a few tears. Buddy, when I got saved, heaven flew into gear and heaven rejoiced that this sinner was saved. Rejoiced. Man, when I got saved, all heaven kicked into do. Every computer in heaven. Can you imagine what went on with Facebook in heaven the day I got saved? Huh? Now that would be real Facebook if that happened, right? See, you've been thought I've been wrong all the time. I've been calling it Facebook. No, somebody, Facebook lit up the day that I got saved. Amen. And I'm saying to you, if you got saved, if you got saved, you may have kept it a secret down here, but it was not a secret in heaven. All heaven rejoiced. The angel of God hummed up, got into tune, and began to sing the hallelujah chorus the day you got saved in heaven. Amen. Hmm. You may be ashamed of it here, but Jesus not ashamed of it there. 
You may not say much about it here, but the main subject in heaven the day you got saved was said, did you see grace saved that sorry sucker? You say, well, I'm not so sorry. Then you are just a plain sucker. Because we all are sorry. And there's none that's not sorry. No, not one. (laughs) Well, I'm glad it was no secret in heaven when I got saved. Not only did heaven respond to it the day I got saved. Now, think about that, folk. You just say, well, wasn't a big deal. It's enough to shake up heaven. Hmm? Well, say, who am I? Oh, you are redeemed. Who are you? You're the one that Jesus died for. Who are you? You're the one that needed to be saved. Who are you? You're somebody special to Jesus. And when you got saved, all heaven responded. Well, I got to hurry. I know we don't have to hurry today because Clint don't have to watch the football game because he sent me a picture yesterday of him watching the races and he said preacher can you smell the fumes it was no secret when I got saved because the angels recorded it hmm you say, now, preacher, you're all out. Luke 10 and 20. Jesus sends out 70 of disciples to go and witness and soul win and testify of his grace. He said, take, don't take any money with you and don't take any extra clothes with you. And don't take any extra gas for your pickup truck. Just You just go and folk will take care of you. These disciples came back in verse number 17 and they said, the Bible said that they came back rejoicing and said to Jesus, even the devils are subject unto us. Verse 20, Jesus said, rejoice not that the devils are subject to thee, but rejoice because your name is written in heaven. I can see it now. 45 years ago, Gene, who? I can see the angel now turning to our Lord and says, how do you spell Wolfenbarger? (laughs) I'm being facetious. I don't know what that means. It's just a big word. Uh, But uh, can you imagine in heaven rejoicing because I am saved? In heaven... The bookkeeper in glory, the angel in charge of the book of life, writes Gene Wolfenbarger, debt paid in full. Rejoice, Jesus said, not because the devils and the demons are subject to you, 
Rejoice not because of the great gifts of the Spirit you may embrace. Rejoice not because of the talents. Rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I saw a great white throne and he who sat upon it from whose face the heavens and the earth fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And they were judged out of every man according to his works. And death and hell gave up dead and hit. And sea gave up dead and hit. And they were judged out of those books. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Thank God my name is written in the book of life. Are you glad of that today? And then why in the world should you keep it a sacred, blessed God, if heaven is not ashamed of it and there's a book that's got recorded? Why would you be a secret disciple for our Lord? Heaven responded to it. The angels recorded it. And joy revealed it. Peter said, In whom I believe, yet I have not seen. That's what he said. Having not seen, you love. In whom though, now you see him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and what? Full of glory. Somehow or another, as I look at your face, I don't get that message. (laughs) Do you have joy that is so unspeakable, unexplainable, that is just astounding to folk around you? They can't explain it, you can't explain it. If you don't, You need to take another trip to Calvary. I think some folk just got enough religion to get in the church, not near enough to get into heaven. And some of you don't have enough to get you to church on a regular basis. And you're saved. Joy. Somebody say amen. I don't care whether you agree it or not. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Probably the best kept secret is the joy you got when you got saved. The psalmist said, return unto me the joy of thy salvation. And when that happens, then I will teach transgressors thy ways. I'm just saying, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, when I got saved, I don't know about you. When I got saved, I don't know about you. But when I got saved, heaven responded, the angels recorded, and joy has revealed it. Please, unless you've got a lot of time, don't ask the Baptists how they feel. Because how they feel is dependent on their situation right now. Or what news broadcast they watched before they came to church. 
But thank the Lord. I have joy unattainable in this world. Unexplainable by this world. That goes on and on and on and on. And it's full of glory. Joy that is reveals it. And fourthly. It's no secret when I got saved because my associates reported it. Next day after I got saved, I got saved on Thursday. So I shut down the poker game on Friday. I said, take all them ugly, ungodly, naked pictures off the wall. And they said, why? Because I'm boss. I signed the checks. They're my walls. I'm, I'm paying for the dumb walls. So there'll be no poker game at lunchtime. Uh, the walls are going to be clean. And they'll say, why? I said, well, I don't know why. I just got saved. They don't look good anymore. Now, that's not Bible theology, buddy. That's just plain old liveology. When you get saved, things that used to be attractive are ugly now. And things that used to be ugly are attractive now. And things that you used to participate in, you don't longer participate in. You say, well, I don't understand it. I don't either, but bless God, I'm going to enjoy it. And you say, what's wrong? Do you think you're better than us? Well, not only will the associates report it, but the devil will resist it. If you're not having any troubles right now, you're probably not saved. Have you ever heard of this old story? And I don't mean anything sacrilegious. All hell broke loose. That's what happened 45 years ago when I got saved. All hell broke loose at the Wolfenbarger's house. Seemed like there's things to argue about we never argued about before. Come on. And seemed like, it, it just seems like our friends are more critical now than they used to be. And the tempter showed up and the deceiver showed up and the destroyer showed up. And maybe the devil got me in his crosshairs back yonder when I got saved. And nobody could have the problems I got unless the devil's mad at him. By the way, you having any trouble? Having any trouble? Got any kids? If you don't have any trouble, go get you some kids. Amen. You'll enjoy the kids in the trouble too. Amen. And you say, well, what I need is some kids to glue our relationship together. <laughs> no, what you need is a few hours in my office of counseling, and that will not work. You say, what I need is some grandkids. No, they just cost twice as much. <laughs> and you can't whoop them like you can whoop yours, Right? Please don't let you being saved be a secret. Because when you got saved, all heaven responded to it. The angels in glory recorded it. Joy should reveal it. The associates 
ought to be able to see it and tell everybody about it. And the devil will resist it to the nth degree. Isn't it amazing how many excuses we can come up to miss church? Like cowboys are playing. Uh, The World Series again. You say, I'm not coming tonight. Well, it won't be no secret in your neighborhood whose side you're on then. Because your neighbors can see whose side you're on. But I'm just saying, if you go through the Bible and you show me somebody else at Calvary made such a difference as these two religious, politically correct individuals who for some reason in some way kept it a secret all this time. When they saw love hanging on a tree. Changed them. Secret no more. Bold. Brash. Demanding. I'm done. What time is it? Oh they ain't even kicked off yet. Well it wasn't any secret. I got saved. Because heaven... Responded, angels recorded, joy revealed, associates reported, Satan resisted, and power retained it. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. The Bible said, whosoever believeth in him should not be ashamed. Calvary made a difference in Joseph of Arimathea. Calvary made a difference in Nicodemus. Won't you allow Calvary to make a difference in you? Some of the excuses you're using Walk to the foot of the cross today and look up at he who is on the cross. Blood and spittle running down his face and tell him why you're a secret disciple. I I, I don't think your case will hold any water. 